You're listening to This Is How, a podcast about people forging digital careers for people who are taking the time to figure things out. Whether you've just left school, college or uni, or you're already in a job, but you're not really feeling it, we've made a podcast series for the tips, ideas and free advice from people who have been on similar journeys, changed things up and gone on to work in digital roles with some of the most interesting brands in the UK. I'm Will Stowe, proudly from Hackney, an air and shoulder to those around me. I work for Sneakers as a co-host on Sneakers Live. We have regular live streams to talk all things sneaker culture. I also write poetry, make music and throw parties in my spare time. I'm Zoe Mallet. I'm a life coach and radio show host. My coaching focuses on helping people figure out where they are, where they want to be, and then we work out how we're going to get them there. I also have a radio show on Foundation FM, which allows listeners to message in with all their problems. And my guests and I offer our professional advice and tips live on a mix with some bangers. Welcome, welcome to This Is How podcast. Uh, this is the first one of 2022. So, you know, I know people say it's too late to be saying Happy New Year, but Happy New Year to everyone that's listening right now. Um, Zoe's here. Zoe, how you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Right now, about to bring out the one and only Alexa Kester who's a co-founder and editor-in-chief of Wave Magazine, social editor of The Face Magazine. Uh, you've probably seen her around on the gram in real life, at parties. You know, she is, you know, someone to know. If you don't know her, get to know. Get on Instagram, search for her name right now. Alexa, what are you saying? Come on, step out. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's been a while. We've been trying to make it work. Trust. You're hard to pin down. Very busy woman. And uh, it's the new year. It's the new year. Trust, 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 trust. So what we always do is we like to play a little game, Two Truths and a Lie, uh, which I'm sure you've played before in like Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. So what we do, this is a, just a really good way for us to uh, get to know you a little bit more and, and for our listeners. Mm-hmm. And you can like, you can uh, tell them to us and then Will and I are going to guess which one the lie is. And then we can just pry into the story a little bit to see if uh, we can guess what the lie is. So hit us. What are your Two Truths and a Lie? Okay, I worked in prep. I've met Rihanna and I was meant to shoot Pop Smoke for, for a front cover. Uh, front cover of Wave or The Face? Wave. Oh, okay. Where did you meet Rihanna? Um, I met her at Scotch. Oh, that's super believable. That's so believable. That's very, very believable. Yeah, she called me a bad bitch. <laughs> Can I swear? <laughs> She called me a bad, she called me a bad bee. <laughs> we, we can bleep that out. Okay, so Pret. Yeah. I feel like everyone's had like a retail run. Like, or something. I had of. many retail runs. Many. What Pret did you work in? Whereabouts was it? What area? In Wimbledon. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from, I'm from South, you know. You know, I love Pret porridge. You ever had Pret porridge? Oh, you know what? Prep porridge is yum. I had a prep before I jumped on this, to be honest. Oh, it's still working for prep. Can you see? It's still in the system. <laughs> still in the system. All right, cool. And then pot smoke. What was the, um, like, you know, how far along was you in the conversations? Obviously, you passed away, sadly, but. You know, that's, that's, why, that's why we didn't shoot him. So what happened was, that it's actually really tragic. Um, what happened was you know he came out and he was like this massive name and no one had heard kind of this sort of 
drill take on music mm. and we were super excited and then yeah I got pitched him by a record label and then they asked me to do the shoot in two days and I was like there's no way I can do the shoot in two days like can we revisit it in a week or two weeks and then he passed away before the shoot no. so yeah it was super sad Super, super sad time. So I'm going to shoot over and say I believe the Pop Smoke one because I feel like he was getting a lot of UK love, obviously because of his um, his instrumentals and production was very UK heavy. Um, and then the Rihanna one is believable, but I feel like that's like a really easy thing to say that she said. Like, do you know what I mean? It's very believable. I feel like the, because I feel like the prep one's like real. Yeah, I feel like the prep one's real. Okay, so are we agreed then that we think the lie is... Rihanna. Rihanna. Yeah, it's too topical at the moment as well, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Could be trying to throw us off. <clears throat> so what is what is the lie? Okay, the lie is I didn't meet Rihanna. Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> prep sounds like an interesting place to work. Did you learn a lot about people working at prep? Yeah, so I worked there because I was just finishing up uni and I was working part-time at Atlantic Records. So I needed extra money. So I was working at Pret twice a week. I think I was working. No, I think I was working three times a week. And sometimes my shifts would start at 6 a.m. It was interesting. Yeah, I met loads of people. And you could give away free coffees. So Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Cool. Let's get into let's get into the first few questions. And it's a really easy one. Where did you grow up? Oh, I hate saying it because I always get cussed. Um, I grew up in Croydon in South London. No way. Yeah, that's where I'm from. Yeah. What was that like? Um, it was a it was an interesting place to live growing up. Um, at the time that I was growing up, like gang culture was really predominant in my area um yeah it I I feel like it was rough mm. it was a rough rough place to bring myself like there's loads of things that happened I think that I couldn't tell my parents or things like that but it's I think it's progressively getting better I'm not too sure but I do know that the like knife crime rate is quite high there um yeah it's interesting that you've gone in you went into music um well we'll find out later on anyway but um there is a lot of like, there was, was groups like six, seven kind of parts of Croydon and obviously Stormzy is like the the biggest talent coming out of there as well, um, amongst other names too. So like, were, were these people in and around you or was it like a buzzing kind of feeling of like young talent coming out of Croydon when you was coming up? Yeah, it was around me. My, my brother was a music producer. Okay, makes sense. Um. And he used to always just have different boys in his room recording freestyles and recording songs. And I was like 12 years old when it was happening. Um, And then I went to Kingston College and Stormzy went to my college as well. Oh, wow. So at that time, when I was in Kingston College, he was, I think, one year. Yeah, he was one year above me. And we used to always have him, like, freestyling outside of college, which was mad. Um, And then when I went to uni, I started working with, like, a music group called New Gen. And my brother was a producer, a part of New Gen. So I've always kind of had it, yeah, around me, to be honest. 
Oh, sick. If we go back to like when you were in school, like what were what sorts of like subjects and things were you into? Um, so in school, I did really kind of off, really, to be honest. I did, Jesus, what did I do? I did science. I did all of them because you can, you had to do all of them, didn't you, in, in secondary school? Yeah, yeah, I did all of them. So I did drama, I did science. I, did, I was really bad at science. Really good at um, maths, weirdly enough, even though I couldn't tell you anything now. Um, and I was really good at English language, but not English lit. Mm. And then in college, I did media, I did photography and sociology and English language. And did you have like, did you have a a clear idea when you were younger of what you wanted to do career wise? So I always kind of knew that I wanted to do something creative. That's why I started photography and I did media, but I didn't actually know what it was like I couldn't really put my I mean in Croydon like in my upbringing you you didn't really have them you didn't have people that studied fashion or you that wasn't normal in my area so I thought it was quite out of reach for me um like even a lot of the time when you listen to people that work in fashion or they work in certain industries like they had a Vogue magazine then when they were young like I never really had those things to possess and to kind of inspire me to work in that field but um I basically went to the library once and I looked at like the careers section I looked at the fashion section and they had like a fashion careers book there and I read through it and I literally had no idea any of these like career roles or jobs even existed and yeah I read through them and I thought I wanted to do fashion buying and I was like so I did a course doing it for a year at the Fashion Retail Academy because I really liked clothes. So I was like, hmm, maybe I'll do like fashion buying. And then I did that, did some work experience. And then I realized that wasn't really for me because there wasn't really like a creative element to it. It was just literally like sourcing a product that kind of looked similar and that your store wanted to do it. So there, there, there wasn't enough creativity in it for me. And then I went to do fashion in uni and I did fashion marketing. And even that, I did my first year doing it and I just realised that it was just too, it was just too draining for me. I just couldn't, I wanted to be proactive. I wanted to do things. I wanted to get out and actually like use my hands and use my imagination a little bit. And yeah, marketing really wasn't that for me. So I then moved course and then I started studying fashion promotion and imaging which was like a really flexible course so I ended up um, doing creative direction and styling because I always wanted to do creative direction so I started styling um, so yeah. Who were you styling initially? So the first person I ever styled was Koji Radical. Wow. Yeah he was like a friend of my ex-boyfriend so I ended up just being just messaging my ex-boyfriend and just being like, I really want to style him. I've got like a project at uni that I want to do and he'd be really good. And at that time, it was really funny. Like I didn't have any PR contacts. I didn't have any money. I literally just like got out a credit card, went to the bank, got out a credit card and was like, I'm just going to buy and return all these clothes. (laughs) (laughs) And I just brought and I returned them all. I didn't have a makeup artist. I did the makeup myself. Wow. And I drove all the way down to um, Dover to do the shoot. I, I drove him all the way down there, yeah. How did the shoot go? It, it was good, you know. Like, I look back at it now and 
it's actually a really good shoot but like the editing isn't that great and there's things now but it's nice to like look at something like that and think that was actually quite sick like I, I actually was like okay I'm gonna be the makeup artist and I'm gonna be a stylist and I'm just gonna get money from wherever I can and I'm just gonna do it and I think at that age you're like super hungry just to make it happen where do you think that like that drive came from that you just wanted to make it happen my mum was always so like I started working when I was 14 like my mum made me work like there was I've never not had a job like I've never not had a job because she wouldn't allow me she'd go absolutely skit so <laughs> so I feel like the drive has always been in my family like my mum she works even now six days a week like she's always on the go my my brother has his own business which is like not in the same field as mine he, he's got like four hair salons I just feel like I've always had that drive around me so yeah my, I, would, I would say my mum was probably a really big driver in it she re- didn't really understand what I wanted to do she didn't really understand how like styling or like creative fashion would kind of help me in any sort of way and even with like Wave magazine she didn't really understand how I was going to make a living out of it she wanted me to do like the marketing stuff because it's guaranteed work it's guaranteed money Mm. and that's yeah that's what she initially wanted me to do um so yeah that was quite a struggle like even changing course was a struggle I had to really convince her she was like good luck (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say one thing um that we noticed on the show is that a lot of people do have that um kind of risk factor where they're just like this isn't working I'm gonna try something else and I feel like that's like a really defining thing which a lot of Mm. people need to have (laughs) which a lot of people need to have um, and it's important for growth so you kind of moved on from fashion buying studied fashion and then you went into styling and then you know what was the next thing I've been all I've been all around the gaff haven't I (laughs) no it's good though it's like it it helps like you know I mean and everything I'm sure yeah um so when I was in uni I also read into like music jobs because I wanted to do a blog and at the time I was like does anyone really read blogs like no one's really going to read a blog it, it, it wasn't creative enough for me as well so I really loved music I used to always like stay up at like what time in the morning always researching like young producers on SoundCloud and SoundCloud was a thing and I realized that like I had a real like passion for music and growing up with it in my house constantly um so that's when I started working with new gen and I that's when I also had the idea to birth wave magazine because I really wanted to do fashion and I also really was interested in music like how would I kind of combine those things together because once you work in music it's it's just music and once you work in fashion you can work with creative talent like music artists but yeah, I think Wave Mag for me was where that kind of started. It was like in, putting both of my influences together into one. And then I started working at a record label. I worked at Atlantic Records as an A&R scout. And I did enjoy it. And I had like an amazing mentor at the time. But it, it just drained my creativity. I just couldn't, I couldn't get creative with it how I was. And I'd rather be on a wave shoot than be at Atlantic Records so that really spoke to me and I ended up leaving so yeah 
I think that kind of comes to an important point. So, like, for, there's a lot of people, I'm sure, who are in jobs that mm. maybe they're not enjoying so much, but obviously maybe because of, like, financial commitments and all that kind of stuff, they kind of have to stay in them. What would be your, like, one piece of advice for people who are kind of, like, scared to make that jump? Um, I mean, I still, I, I, I also work at the face. So I think it's just about finding something that, you know, being at the face really does teach me a lot of stuff in terms of, like, how a company runs, like how a magazine works internally and I started Wave magazine as like a passion project and I I didn't really have in all honesty I didn't have a vision to make it something bigger than what I actually started it as um and it was only from the encouragement of my friends and my teachers in uni that told me to continue it and then I started seeing the rewards of it and I started seeing the talent that we was getting on the front cover without pitching for it and I thought I'm obviously really doing something here mm. um but I made sure that the job that I went to after kind of was really in line with teaching me a lot about what I can do in order to make Wave Magazine something. So, and I really enjoy it at the face. So I haven't had a point at the moment that's made me feel like it's draining my creativity because I've got creative flow here. So I think if it is that you are going to be in another job whilst kind of building up what you want to do and your passion, I think it's just about making sure it's something that's going to obviously teach you something and you can take something away from it or something that's in line with what you want to do because I've been, I've literally done so many things that I feel like it's taught me a lot mm. with different skills and I feel like that's where like I feel quite blessed. When you were working as an a and scout, how did that kind of, did that help you and set you up for uh, Wave magazine? And, and and how did that work? How did that kind of, how did those two like bridge together if they did? So Wave Mag actually got me my job at Atlantic Records because it, it acted yeah. like a catalogue of music or artists that I was interested in. And at the time, the artists that I was shooting were like Jay Gray very early on in her career. It was Koji Radical, like literally at the very beginning. So... I think my mentor at the time could see that like I had an ear for it. Um, Atlantic Records really helped. Like as much as like I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to, it really did help in terms of contacts. Like all my PR contacts are from when I worked at Atlantic Records. So yeah, in terms of like artist relations and speaking to artists' team, like I really have, sorry, excuse me, that connection from Atlantic Records and I, I think that that's what was quite good about me being there is I made sure I was on email trying to meet people and go to their offices and go for coffee and what do you do I'm an a and scout at Atlantic and even though I didn't continue working there I still have those relationships now. Mm. Makes sense um, I was going to ask as well on kind of your upbringing and where you was coming from in Croydon I can relate to what you're saying in terms of like not seeing examples of what you wanted to do until you actually saw it. Um, in that sense, how important was it for you to kind of start Wave Mag in terms of people who were just like you coming up from Croydon? Um, yeah, really important. I think that's why when I did the first issue, it was super important for me to kind of give people their first opportunity because you know, a lot of people that I meet in this industry now, like their parents worked in fashion or their grandmas were really fashionable or had all these pieces and my family wasn't like that. So I always knew that I felt super frustrated as a stylist that I wasn't ever given the opportunities to put my work 
or showcase my work with any other publications because I didn't have the connects or I hadn't worked in the industry long enough or I, I felt like my work and I was really confident in my work was at a standard to be in a magazine but um yeah I, I feel like your connections really play into that so wave mag for me like the birth of it the passion for it was first of all to kind of merge my influences but also kind of give a platform to like young women who are probably not born in kind of a, a privileged way in, in a sense of like connections or your upbringing and be able to give them like a platform to do it and I remember I gave this like one girl her first interview and she interviewed Jay Gray for me and she'd never done it before but it was a dream of hers and it was a passion of hers and sometimes you know you, you do have a standard of product that needs to be delivered but you always feel really good when you've given someone that opportunity. And if it didn't go a certain way, there's always guidance and there's always ways to mentor them in order to kind of steer them into your vision. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's super important. I think that's something that I want to do more of again is just kind of creating this platform for like young women to get their first um, work experience out, their first print um, spread in a magazine. So, yeah. We wanted to talk about uh, your time at Kyra. Um, do you want to talk about what Kyra was and kind of like your role there and what you did? Yeah. Um, Kyra TV was like a Gen Z digital platform, um, predominantly on YouTube. Well, it was on YouTube and Instagram. Um, and I don't think anyone had seen anything like Kyra, to be honest, when it when it came out, it was uh, basically a TV show on YouTube for young fashion influencers that all had individual styles. Um, and honestly, it was amazing to kind of see them go from like partnering with TK Maxx to partnering with Gucci. Uh, that was amazing. So my job role there was I was a, a commercial creative strategist. Um, so I worked on all the commercial jobs. So I worked on the Gucci stuff and the any branded work, basically any partnership work. And my my role was to basically come up with the ideas of what the actual show would be and what they would be doing in the show and what the challenge would be and what they'd all individually go and do when they're creating this product that they're creating at the end of their their episode. Um, but that was only for the commercial stuff. So I never really worked on the editorial kind of concepts, but yeah, it was it was a fun job to be honest. It was a it was a good job. So you'd be good at party icebreakers then, because they did some pretty wacky things. Then. Yeah, they did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes they remix it. Like you'd work with them, and, and we knew the boys really well individually, um, which allowed us to kind of generate these ideas. Like we knew Elias could do a certain thing. We knew Shaq could only do the X, Y, Z. It was very arty um and Danny was very formal and tailored so like you you always had kind of like a vision for each each talent and what were like the skills that you learned at Kyra uh what were they like what were the, what the main ones that you kind of developed while you like your time while you were there um being given a brief and being able to come up with like creative ideas based on a brief I'm just used to coming up with them I'm, I'm never used to like getting a brief and being like I've got a guideline to go for I've got to kind of bring a brand vision to life um essentially when you're partnering with um brands you're kind of giving them something that I don't already have 
So whether that is uh, your target market that they want to kind of bring into theirs um, or just your kind of creative flair on it. So that was that I, I learned a lot from that was kind of coming up conceptually with the ideas. And sometimes you literally sit there and be like, I've literally come up with so many ideas. I don't know how many more I can come up with. <laughs> you literally ideated out. Um, pitching, pitching ideas. I'd never done that before. Um pitching to a brand which can be very overwhelming and very scary I remember my first one my voice was shaking so much um was this in your presentation of your pitch yeah and it was only a phone call it wasn't even that deep they couldn't even see me but I just was so nervous because I was speaking to like big big people at Nike presenting an idea that I really liked but sometimes when you say the ideas out loud you're like is this actually really bad is this a bad idea um so that really kind of gained my confidence in that pitching ideas um and has put a deck together like a pitching deck like how to actually like you know think about what your ethos is and how you're going to communicate that and what you can deliver as a brand like I never understood that at all before you've been listening to this is how created by Nominet and Liberty your essential resource for finding a path into digital careers with the brands that you love Head over to thisishow.uk to listen to more episodes and discover free training and advice to help you land your dream job. You can also give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is thisishow.uk to keep up to date with regular tips and resources to help you on your career journey. Obviously, face being a heavily, you know, um, important part of like popular culture and a physical mag, now coming back, uh, into this new digital space and obviously you understand that through Kyrie TV did you feel like you had like a massive advantage like to bring to the table yeah 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 because there, there's certain things that I've tapped into that I know that the face I haven't tapped into yet which is like you know building a YouTube platform like when I when I was at Kyra we really took their following to a different level like we we started on nothing and we ended on like 800,000 subscribers and getting massive massive partnerships with um with with brands and you know there's a whole team that pushes that and makes that happen but you know the creative idea and what that's going to look like is really kind of what gauges an audience and actually gauges the brand as well like what you're watching your attention time when are you going to tune out of it what are different things that we can do at this time of the episode that is going to keep them watching that I, I know I knew that you know the face had never really ventured out to that um just yet and they still haven't but um that's something that we're definitely like interested in building as video content so when you was in the interview process were there anything uh was any skills or like um particular expertise that you had that they were looking at that you were very confident in yeah it was the ideation part that I think I was super confident in um because kind of pitching ideas and video formats and visual formats or shoots or the way something's going to visually look like kind of on paper um I knew that I was really I've always been quite confident in doing that um that was one thing that I I kind of yeah I knew that I would be fine with going into the interview process or even responding to the brief that they sent me to do um I had to come up with like a YouTube uh, episode idea which I think we actually want to do when I when I pitched it they they really wanted to do it and they really loved it um and it's something that we've been speaking about to do so 
yeah, that was something that I was really confident in. And what does your like? What does your day to day look like at the face? First thing I do is look at the news. Not 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 the news like the the world news. I look at like the creative news, like what's going on in pop culture. Um, high views, high society, complex, yeah, all that stuff. Um, business and fashion as well. I'll even just go through Twitter and see what's going on there because um, everything's kind of trending on there. And then Instagram. Sadly, I can't not scroll through it. <laughs> have to um and yeah coming up with like what, what we're actually putting out what's our output like what are we saying like what are we doing are we being reactive like what's been going on this week like how what's our take on it um and the, the site do that they do that really well so it's translating that onto socials that's like really important because you want to keep that that tone of voice really strong that they have and it's quite a, it's a very unique tone of voice to face so uh, at the phase, like, what other kind of teams do you like communicate with and work with, and like collaborate with? Everyone, <laughs> <laughs> literally everyone. Like the whole editorial team, the audience and development team. That's that's one of the key people that I work with. Um, the design team. I, I mean, uh, there's not a team I don't I don't work with. I literally work with them all day, every day. Like the, the commercial team. If they're pitching my department, then I need to oversee certain things and let them know what's going to work and what's not going to work and how we do it. Um, audience and development is really to kind of understand like what's trending at the moment. Are these ideas going to cut through? Um, editorial is basically being aligned with what they're putting on the site and how we can kind of, you know, put that out onto socials. Design is to actually give them briefs so they can create things and, you know, what is if we are adapting our, our design, what is it that we're adapting and how are we doing it and how is it still in line? Um, literally every, everyone. In which ways or like um, how is your role creative? It's the it's the, stra- the creative strategy bit. Like if you think about, you know, consumers now, they're consuming their phones. They're not consuming online, you know, articles. A lot of them are, but, you know, you're the person that, brings them to the articles you're the people that are this is your taster here's where you can read more and there is a creative kind of element to that because um we've seen so many nice like amazing like digital and social kind of activations that really kind of capture you and really really think so smart and um that's the creativity in it it's making sure that you've got people where we're in arts and you know fashion and music uh publishing company we, we we create that content so how are we kind of you know amplifying the content that we make how are we being a part of these cultural moments within the UK and London scene because we're a British magazine um there's that it's it's endless really and how much creativity you can have with it even with the kind of design element of you know what you're putting out there and I'm going to do a IGTV series how's that visually going to look like that that's what you would brief into the design team and to the editing team and that's how you would work with them it's yeah the creativity is endless so I think people just think that when it comes to socials you're just literally posting but literally not that it's literally not that there because it's such a key thing that is being used now like social media is literally it's people's lives so we don't go days without social media that's where we get all our sources from no one 
pick something well some people do pick up a newspaper but most of the people just go on the blog pages or they go and follow their favorite influencers and influencers actually have more of an influence than a lot of brands do like a lot of brands and that is their hub that's where they live that's their home so yeah it's endless it's endless endless and apart from like being creative what are the other like digital skills that a social editor needs being tuned in like being I think if you okay researching is definitely a skill um being up to date with things like making sure you're not missing something because you want to be reactive because there's so many different people that are probably going to cover the situation that you have but what's your take on it um I think knowing I think knowing when it's right for you and it's not right for you and what your brand actually kind of you know what what's going to be maybe published on a different publication is probably not going to be published on ours because we've got a completely kind of different tone of voice um just being strategic like being creatively strategic and strategic they work hand in hand but they're actually really different I think that's what I've learned quite a lot is that you know what are the tactics what are like smart moves that you can do with your content that creatively are really good because as we've seen there's so many creative ideas that are amazing but don't really travel that well so what are the different things that you're going to do and tap into to make that that happen and just being like aware and having your your finger on the ball because that things are moving so quick like especially in this day and age where you're consuming so much that means that the level of things that you're consuming is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger so it's being on top of that and just being ahead of it if you can be ahead of it but that that should be your kind of drive is being ahead of it so you've taken us through like a massive journey of like you know different paths you've taken and the things you've learned along the way but if you were to like kind of point through some of the biggest lessons and the biggest learnings and just maybe some advice you'd give to a younger Alexa what would those things be um you don't know it all you really don't there's literally it's endless to learn things like learning does not stop like I don't care how old you are it never stops like there is always something new there's always something fresh and there's always something more to dissect and how you know you can um consume that so I think knowing that you don't know it all is is a is a massive lesson because you can get really kind of egotistical sometimes and think, yeah, I know, friend, but there's so many things to learn. Like all my job roles, I've learned so many things out of them and I haven't been the perfect candidate for all of them, I can say. Um, but it's that willingness to learn and that willingness to adapt and take constructive criticism. And, you know, if you do fail, if there's something that you do wrong, that you don't need to be defensive about it. You know, it's just understanding where it went wrong. And I think what's, what's really important is being proactive with it like what you know it's not bad to fail it's not bad to do wrong but like why did you and like what is your findings from it and how can you now apply that to your future ideas or the future things that you do so I think that's super important um what else would I say time time I think time I found that I just had been so consumed by what I do that 
you know that like I said earlier that kind of alone time to yourself is super important I think people you were under this kind of impression that you know work 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 no sleep no sleep no sleep like that is not realistic for a human being like it really isn't um and I had to learn that because I was doing things and living life and then turning up to a job with how much sleep because I stayed up all night trying to do something else and understanding that that's not it doesn't feed you it doesn't feed your creative brain it doesn't feed the person that you need to be to kind of turn up and be the best version of yourself when you're going into a meeting or you're doing these job roles that you're doing at the very start you spoke about um where you came from and not being able to kind of see other roles as options but do you think it's different now for people who are maybe coming up in Croydon with this wave of digital and like the the things that they're open to Yes and no. I think um, I think yes because it gives them like a viewpoint. It, is, it it creates a vision for them that they can have for themselves. But I, I don't think sometimes it feels reachable for them because of their current living or their situations. And it is reachable, but sometimes I guess when you you know, you're around something that's completely in contrast to that. It doesn't feel like it's attainable. It doesn't feel like it's reachable. And a lot of these kids find themselves doing other things that, you know, are not are not working in their favour or not working for them at all. But understanding that, you know, your your situation that you grew up in is is not your situation that you're gonna you're gonna end up in. So um I think also just being comfortable is, is quite a hard thing for kids in these areas. They're comfortable with their living habits. They're comfortable being like that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's knowing, I think it's having that confidence. You know, if you're from a really disadvantaged area and you're seeing somebody on Instagram with a YSL bag turning up to fashion week, like you can see it and it can make you think, that's where I want to be, but it's also going to make you feel like, but I'm not, so maybe I'll never be like that. And I think what I was saying earlier about having that vision of, you know, sometimes when you focus on what is going on now and your struggle now, it takes you away from actually seeing the perspective of the bigger picture and where you're going to end up. And I think that really relates to it. And I think, yeah, I think sometimes there's a lot of stories now, like there's a lot of talent that we've seen in certain situations, like a lot of rappers, that are UK rappers that are making it possible for these kids. And I think that's amazing. And these are talent that we should be championing is the people that come from council flats or, you know, who are getting awarded for Oscars. Like that's incredible stuff. Like that they, these people here are, are very raw and they've got stories to tell and it relates to certain people, but it, yeah, I think it's a yes and no question really. I think we just need to be a bit more, I think people that exist in these um, industries and have a platform that people are tuning into and people are watching need to have a bit more willingness to help, whether it is just a phone conversation, whether it is just a DM back some advice, like it takes two seconds, I think if we're all willing to help a bit more and you just kind of, you know, give them a bit more faith to do what they can do and what they're destined to do, I think that will help. But I think sometimes I think actual like digital and social media can actually make people feel like they're actually not worthy enough, which I think is the challenge that we're facing. Okay, so we always like to round off with uh, going through the little mini CV that you created for us. 
I know that was quite hard, you know. I'd... Is it hard? How come you found it hard? The part where you asked me like what why I should you should I should work for you. I was like <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I hate answering. <laughs> so we're gonna go through and we're gonna ask you a couple of questions each, and then at the end we decide whether we would hire you or not. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty intense, pretty intense. Wow, that's that's intense. <laughs> So can you, uh, what would you say has been your like, biggest career highlight? Uh, so I wanted to say something, right, but he's kind of cancelled, so I don't want to say it, but it was really pivotal for me in my, in my career and with Wave magazine, but I really don't want to say it because he's been cancelled. I hate using that word, but he's upset a lot of people who aren't happy with him, who is the baby, but that was such a pivotal point for me in my career and... I'm always at this point where I'm like, I feel challenged to like, do I want to flaunt that? That was like the first kind of global artist that I ever put on the front cover of my mag or is, should I not flaunt that? But I think it was quite impressive that I had done that when I only had, you know, UK artists before. And then stuck in the magazines globally, distributing them globally was a, a big moment for me. Mm. Okay. And what was your best piece of work? Uh, I've written this down, so I should know this. Um, I would say uh, that the baby sheet was really good. Um, but I actually think getting gorillas on my front cover was my best piece of work. I think that's mad. Yeah, very strong. Yeah, I thought that was quite crazy. Like, I used to listen to them growing up, but... Yeah, then they're, they're not like new and fresh. So I thought maybe they wouldn't want to they wouldn't want to do it. But I think that was yeah, my favorite piece of work. And like we worked, we collabed with the illustrator, their iconic illustrator. And that that was a moment for me because we didn't just get given these press images, like we actually created that front cover with the illustrator. So yeah, I think that'd probably be my favorite. I think I've written something completely different to that, but yeah. You did, but this is great. <laughs> <laughs> And what would you say your best failure has been? Um, my best failure. Losing out on like pitching is quite, it's not a good failure, but it, it puts things in perspective. I feel like it always makes you and like drives you to be better the next time. Um, uh, I think losing, I think when you start like a brand from the ground up and you've got like seven people working for you and they're all your friends or you know you get quite comfortable with your team members but I actually think sometimes losing something gives a bit more growth and a bit more drive and a bit more perspective um I don't know I, I don't know if they're failures that I that, I don't know sort on how you look at it yeah I think I think at the point at that point I was really scared about some of these things and I was a bit disappointed but after a while I think when I looked at it from a different angle it's like, oh, actually it actually taught me quite a lot and I actually think we're actually better and stronger now because of it so so the final question is why should we hire you okay um I'm a very driven individual I am fun to be around you always need a fun person in your team um I I'm determined every time I have a vision to do something I will make it happen so and if I don't um there's going to be another way to do it um I'm I'm really big on researching 
which is good. Um, guys, really put me on the spot because I haven't had to do this in a really long time. I feel like you've already like smashed it anyway because of like your career highlights, your best piece of work. I hope so because I haven't been, I haven't had to do that in a, in a long time. Basically, I'm Alexa and that's why you should hire me. <laughs> it's a good answer. It's a good answer. All right, cool. So, Zoe, what do you think? I'm going to give it three thumbs up. Well, two thumbs up. I don't have three thumbs, but two thumbs up. What are you saying? Are you going to stick your foot up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. You're hired. All right, cool. You got the job. You got the job. Oh, thanks, guys. You start on Monday. Don't be late. What's the salary? We'll talk about that later on. That's not important. We'll see, yeah, we'll <laughs> talk about it later. It's competitive. It's competitive. It's a lot of O's. O's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> But I'll thank you very much, man. It was great speaking to you. Thank you so much for joining on this with us. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this, actually. I was quite nervous for it, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It's only me and Zoe. It's calm. I know, it's about hanging out with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's how it's meant to feel. You've been listening to This Is How, created by Nominate and Liberty. If you've enjoyed this conversation and you're feeling inspired to develop your own digital skills, head over to thisishow.uk, where you can find more information on all the helpful tips and advice shared on today's podcast as well as trying our new This Is How quiz to uncover more about what you're good at and what job roles could be a good match for you.